Hello, welcome to the Better Outcomes Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions. We help healthcare organizations acquire, engage, and retain more patients so they can increase their revenue, decrease their no-shows and cancellations, and deliver better outcomes and a greater patient experience. If you want to learn more about that, you can head on over to www.rehabtheletterupracticesolutions.com. Well, what do we have on the docket for this week? This week, we are going to be replaying a conversation that I had with a couple professionals in the healthcare, IT, and cybersecurity space. We've talked on the show a good deal about leveraging new technologies, about artificial intelligence, logarithmic learning, you name it, implementing technology in a way that allows us to leverage that, those tools to improve both the patient engagement, patient experience, but also patient clinical outcomes. One thing that we have not talked a lot about has been the IT side of it and keeping those systems secure. So obviously, if the computers aren't working, then your technology is not going to work and you're not going to be able to use it to improve patient outcomes. And then if someone hacks your system and holds all your data for ransom, you're up the creek as well. And unfortunately, that's becoming more and more common here in healthcare. There are stories breaking, it seems like, at least every other week about a new data breach at some healthcare organization that ends up costing millions of dollars in damages. I mean, if, it, if this happens to a smaller organization, it could bankrupt them. So we brought on uh, Gordon Renshaw from Crosslink Consulting, their managed IT services firm. And then we also brought on Chris Napier from Corvid uh, Technologies, Corvid Cyber Defense. And we spent some time talking a little bit about what is, when we when we say cyber defense, what does that entail? When we say managed IT services, what does that entail? And then how do those two components of a, of a technology infrastructure, if you would, at a healthcare organization, how do those two components work together to both ensure safety and security of patient and clinic data, as well as improving patient and clinical outcomes? So... Without further ado, we'll dive right in to the conversation um, about cybersecurity and healthcare IT services. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to this webinar on healthcare IT, managed IT services, cybersecurity, cyber defense, um, kind of what you need to put in place from a IT standpoint, and then the risks that are, and the threats that are there, particularly for healthcare providers from a cybersecurity standpoint. Our panelists today, first up, we've got Gordon Renshaw from Crosslink Consultant, Consulting. So Gordon, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about what Crosslink does, and then we'll move on to Chris. 
Okay, great. Well, thank you for having me, Rafi. And uh, um, as you know, I'm a Canadian, um, originally living in the, the South, so Southern Canuck. Um, have been down here for about 22 years in Augusta and uh, Crosslink Consulting, an IT cybersecurity um, firm. Um, I've been with them now going on probably, we're getting closing in on three years. Um, and uh, it's an opportunity to be able to redefine uh, the IT cybersecurity industry. I've been in retained executive search for a good, good amount of years before and uh, enjoyed being able to redefine some of the things that needed to be done there. Um, our mission at, uh, at Crosslink is um, you know, emblematic of, I think, what I just said, that uh, to deliver IT and cybersecurity services faithfully, according to our calling with unparalleled integrity and fidelity in a way that redefines our industry. So it's um, Patrick Reynolds is the founder of it. It was founded back in 2004. And um, we're now serving a, a good number of folks within the healthcare industry um, accordingly. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing your expertise with us. Um, Chris Napier, why don't you talk to us a little bit about yourself and COVID defense? Sure. Thanks, Rafi. Again, I appreciate everybody's time today and the opportunity to speak to everyone and uh, kind of educate you all hopefully a little bit more on the cybersecurity side of things and, and uh, who CORVID is. So again, my name is Chris Napier. I'm originally from Augusta, Georgia, but I currently have resided in Charlotte, North Carolina for almost seven years now. And I, I have predominantly a sales background and, and a lot of that actually is in the healthcare space before I was working for a company called Medline. I'm sure that most of you are aware of that, of them. Um, so I kind of, you know, I guess being even on that side of that supply chain side, I, I, I've just, it, it's given me some more knowledge and insight into kind of, you know, how healthcare organizations and systems think and, and how they like to spend money and kind of brings me to, to where I am here with Corvid Cyber Defense. So Corvid Cyber Defense, we are, our parent company is Corvid Technologies and uh, Corvid Technologies is a solution engine engineering uh, firm essentially and they have a variety of applications and they are predominantly a DOD contractor. So um, we, you know, we deal with uh, engineering in regards to aircraft, ballistic, ballistic missile testing, um, motorsports, armor development, biological systems, and, and other type of warheads for uh, the government and uh, private sector as well. And so uh, a few years ago, they purchased another cybersecurity company called Ruckus Networks. And uh, we, they needed to enhance our own cybersecurity um, division here. Uh, you know, working for the government, clearly with their, we are, there's a lot of compliance things that we have to deal with on a daily basis. So we're heavily scrutinized. And of course, uh, in being on the DOD side of things and, and uh, dealing with that aspect, we, uh, the government in general, the U.S. government is a, a one of the, you know, kind of number one targets for cyber criminals. So that just kind of makes us a prime target for them. So we, we just have to have, uh, you know, the best cybersecurity we can have. And that's part of the reason we we coin our uh, military grade cybersecurity platform, because it really is, you know, the best in the business and in regards to what we do. Awesome. Well, both of y'all, thanks for taking the time uh, to share your expertise with our audience here. Just a little housekeeping before we dive in. 
we've got the chat up and running on the Zoom, but we also have the chat up and running, it looks like on the LinkedIn event. So if you're watching for the LinkedIn event and you wanna ask a question, just pop it in the chat and we'll try to work them in throughout. So just to kick things off, when it comes to all things tech wise, especially for most of us clinicians turned uh, administrators and the like, we may have differing understandings of what we mean when we say cyber defense, cybersecurity. So can y'all give us a little insight just to get a base level for what we mean by you know, IT services, cyber defense and healthcare? Um, what are the main definitions we need to be kind of on board with and kind of what are their implications for the healthcare space? Well, I guess I could start. Um, Rafi is uh, IT typically is going to come down to four things, whether it's uh, in healthcare or in other professional services, um, but it certainly applies equally to, to healthcare. You're going to have your help desk services, um, on site support infrastructure support and security operations. So basically managing your system um, you know, really should be a proactive exercise instead of just reactive. And I think you know, our industry is um, fairly got comfortable regarding you know, the um, responsiveness. Instead of being proactive, there's uh, uh, an opportunity because there's not necessarily a lot of uh, expert knowledge with with a client. So with the healthcare practice, um, we have found that you know it's an easy thing to do as an IT provider to simply sit back, and that's where we see the opportunity to differentiate and really redefine. Uh, it, it should be proactive. It should be truly a partnering um, exercise, and therefore working hand in hand with a client, a healthcare practice should be asking questions and a provider should be not just answering, but helping to, uh, you know, a healthcare client to be able to ask the right questions. So that, that would be just an overview of IT. Cyber, cyber defense in healthcare is much different. And there's a number of different um, types of cyber defense. Um, one that is generally practiced is going to be what we call EDR, and that's called, you know, and it stands for Endpoint Protection and Response. Um, we emphasize something different that is called Managed Detection and Response. Enjoyed a nice uh, conversation with Chris, and I'll let him do it, you know, elaborate a little bit further, but the MDR you know, is, is, is really almost like, if you will, um, you know, a, a very active uh, monitoring. So endpoint is gonna be more of your software uh, reliant, whereas um, the managed detection response is almost gonna be like a SWAT team or a, you know, a SEAL team, if you will, that they're not just gonna go ahead and be monitoring to see if there's something occurring that an IT team is not gonna be picking up. But when they when they see it, they're going to investigate immediately. And you know, with with what we employ de deploy, um, within ten minutes, we're able to go in and actually kick out, uh, isolate, and kick out the bad guy. Okay, um, that was very helpful. So, can you just name those four areas that IT are doing? We got help desk. We got on site. What was the other, what were the other two? 
Yes, on-site support. Okay. Infra infrastructure support. So okay. if you have a server and, and the various components, and then your security operations, which typically is only going to include endpoint protection. That's where your software okay. is in. There's a certain amount of monitoring that's going to occur, but it's not truly MDR. Okay. So then, Chris, why don't you talk to us a little bit about endpoint protection and then manage endpoint protection and how those two things kind of differ? Sure. So, uh, again, just to make it clear as well, so Corvid Cyber Defense, we are strictly a managed cybersecurity as a service provider, which kind of puts us in that MDR category, like Gordon had referenced. And so what that comes with is that 24 by 7, you know, 365 um, human monitoring is how I like to put it as well, because I think that's what's important. I think when sometimes you even look at uh, uh, EDR, like an endpoint protection, which we as well deploy uh, an endpoint agent into um, uh, into our uh, clients' environments, and we we currently use a company called Silence, but there are a lot of other uh, options out there, and we we work with several of those as well. But, but I think the big thing with the the EDR is. When you, like Gordon said, when you have somebody managing it, we can jump on it very quickly and resolve the problem, you know, even while you're asleep at night, instead of having, you know, to, to wake you up, we can essentially kind of quarantine and, and find the issue and then make some changes. And if there are changes that, you know, may need approval from our clients or whatever, clearly we can, uh, you know, communicate within the next day or, or whatever it may be. But I think the NDR aspect is kind of not, I don't want to call it necessarily traditional um, like antivirus or anti-malware or anything like that, but um, sometimes those are in place. So it'll do, it, it may find something and it'll kind of quarantine it, but you'll need to, uh, typically you may need to go in and actually make the adjustments or changes or whatever notification is that they're sending you. Okay, cool deal, great. Um, well then moving on from there, when we talk about managed IT services and uh, cybersecurity, what are kind of the must have components and Gordon, this is probably a question for you, that a healthcare organization, maybe a small clinic, maybe a large facility, what are their must-have components for managed IT service systems, primarily in healthcare? Well, and it's a great question. And it's, it's you know, to a large extent, Raffi, and you and I have had this conversation, you know, to a good extent. Um, it, it, there's a, there's a re-education in regards to how many healthcare uh, practices are approaching IT in, in making decisions. Um, it, it really does come down to relationship, not a transactional operation. Um, and you know, describing that a little bit, there's a lot of healthcare practices, not to pick on just them, but that's what we're talking about today, that, you know, certainly prevalent across the professional services, where a lot of practices will treat the IT service decision not unlike that they would treat a janitorial housekeeping company decision or a landscaper. Um, and it's got to be more than that. This is not just, you know, being able to go ahead and get some services that are like clockwork and, you know, they'll just do their thing and we'll do our thing. And, you know, as long as they provide their services, we're safe, we're good. It really does need to be is, you know, we, one of our monikers is, is that we're the friendly IT department down the hall. It needs to be that kind of a relationship. You need to be 
in communication and your IT provider needs to be communicating with you proactively. If that is not happening, you should be nervous. Uh, it is um, uh, you know, critical that you are asking questions and that your IT provider is providing that the questions to you. So proactiveness is key. Uh, there, if you're not hearing from your IT provider, you should be nervous. Uh, we find way too many times, and it's, it's predictable at this point, and these are folks that do a lot of advertising around us uh, that, you know, in cities like Atlanta, not just Augusta, uh, it seems to be prevalent across the United States where, you know, IT providers are going through the motions and relying upon a fair amount of ignorance in, in regards to what people should be asking. And uh, the reality is, is that we, we come across clients that don't even have monitoring software employed on their computers which means that the IT provider, if there was a breach, they would be the last to know. Um, unacceptable, lawsuit worthy, but it happens prevalently and it, it, it can't, there's just too much at stake. High response, if there is a, even just a question that is coming from you as a healthcare provider, not just from the leadership, but from your frontline folks, and there's not a high response from your IT provider, then you've got the wrong provider. Uh, there has to be that kind of urgency, immediate response. If you're not getting it, you need to get it. Um, and there also needs to be uh, what we call CISO, uh, which, uh, you know, certainly um, I know that, uh, you know, Chris is very, you know, very much engaged accordingly, but that stands for Chief Information and Security Officer. There needs to be that kind of expertise that your IT provider is proactively providing and it's scheduled. So there should be monthly meetings that are occurring between uh, both you know, organizations leadership. And therefore there's a guide and a plan in place that is being executed and being discussed accordingly. Uh, really should be that your IT service is truly acting as a department of your organization. Okay. Yes, and you were talking about monitoring and breaches and, and all of that, which kind of leads us into the next little segment, which is about obviously everybody in healthcare is very hyper aware of HIPAA and all of that it entails from a messaging, from a communication mm -hmm. standpoint to the security standpoint. So what about HIPAA and how does the IT services play a role in both the compliance side and then also in the protection side, because I think if you actually take time to read the law, <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, it's very in-depth. And I know I, as a clinician myself, I, don't, I breeze over half of that. I'm like, I don't even know what half of that means, you know? So what's the role that an IT services firm should play on the compliance side of HIPAA? And then Chris, maybe you can come in and talk about um, what the, the cybersecurity implications are and what you need in place from a protection standpoint for HIPAA. Yeah, excellent question. And it's one again, that if your IT service is not being proactive um, in this way, and that you're having to go ahead and be asking um, compliance related questions, um, the alarm bells really should be sounded. Um, HIPAA is, you know, as you just stated, it's complex and there's a lot to it. And the more breaches that we're seeing, um, you know, the more that it's going to be emphasized. 
uh, interesting. Uh, you know, I just acquainted acquainted uh, myself with a new law in Georgia, um, which is uh, called HB 156. It's not healthcare related; it's government related. But there's a lot there that is going to become more and more prevalent. We believe within healthcare, and that is that if there's a breach of any kind, it's got to be reported. And you know, from a legal standpoint, we have a gentleman that on our team um, who was a U.S. attorney for several years, um, and is now a senior advisor to our team. And this gentleman was actually one of three that was appointed by the Attorney General of the United States to prosecute at the highest levels across the United States. Uh, cyber criminals. And it's been just a plethora of information available at our fingertips, but also to be able to provide healthcare professionals accordingly. Um, there, he is described where legal um, you know, precedent is being set and that really IT cybersecurity is not undifferent from the automobile industry of the late 20s and early 30s. Liability law is being written daily as we speak. And there is going to be, if you don't pay attention to, you know, HIPAA and, you know, the requirements accordingly, um, and IT and cyber both play a major role accordingly, you've got to protect your data, you've got to be able to do so uh, from an administrative, physical security and technical security standpoint. And it, again, it can't be all upon your shoulders in regards to asking the right questions you have to be able to have a, a monthly visit. Um, and that's where that CISO comes back in, that chief you know, in, um, um, information security officer identity. Um, you, know, you don't have the money, many uh, healthcare practices don't have the money to hire their own person for this role. So therefore your IT provider should be doing that. And if they're doing it properly and visiting you know, the HIPAA and, and, you know, the compliance accordingly and any changes, alterations accordingly, then you can feel much more secure in at night resting, uh, knowing that you're being taken care of. Okay. And now, Chris, what are kind of the big, um, from a protection and uh, information protection standpoint, what are the big things that healthcare mm -hmm. folks need to be concerned about? I know you and I spoke earlier last week about some of the the breaches that have taken place and kind of the right. financial implications and even legal implications of not having that squared away. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure. And uh, thanks again for that question. It's, it's, it, I think that's one where healthcare uh, providers really need to make sure they kind of understand those implications and what that means to your business. Um, Cause you know, especially in 2020 that, you know, it was, it was a very tough year for everybody from a cybersecurity perspective. And that had to do with the fact that a lot of people were working from home, which in, in turn, just there's more vulnerabilities due to that. If you look at the IBM 2020 data breach report, um, the costliest hit industry last year was healthcare. Um, the average cost per data breach was $7.13 million. Um, and another big part of that is because healthcare organizations are subject to kind of more rigorous, you know, regulatory requirements. And if they're, you know, and that you can, you know, and also the financial market's another one that kind of has some of those rigorous uh, requirements as well. And, and usually those industries tend to have much uh, higher data breach costs. And on top of that, the average, uh, 
the average days it took for a uh, something to be detected in your network was about 236 days to identify that and then another 93 days to contain. Um, so you, I guess, again, going back to you really want to look at it from a business perspective as well, just kind of what, what would that do to your organization? Because, um, again, you do you could face, you know, HIPAA uh, violations and fees. And I, I think last year what I found on the, the uh, HIPAA, it looks like the average HIPAA penalty uh, in 2020 was um, $713,000. And then that, and that was probably, that's also a little bit on the higher end as well, but um, you just have to look at, at what that's going to do to you. But I think the most important thing in regard to any health core organization is that your cybersecurity plan and strategy, uh, that definitely needs to align with your patient safety initiative as well, because that's what this has become a patient safety issue. Because you, we've seen in the news that some of these hospitals that have been had a ransomware attack and they're locked out of their system, and uh, the other, the big thing in healthcare is you know we're seeing a lot more um, medical devices and things like that being connected via internet. And you know if there's a, a life-saving one or whatever it may be, and, and your network, you're locked out of your network and you do not have any control over anything, you know that can cause patient issues and then you're also dealing with uh, kind of resulting to pen and paper and trying to log and keep track of things that way but it's also hard you know a lot of hospitals clearly have taken their data and put it in the cloud and things like that and digitized it and if you're locked out of that you it's hard to see any patient records and see you know to make sure that certain patients are getting their you know the correct uh, prescriptions or whatever it may be so there, there there's a lot involved here and, and i think it, it definitely needs to be become in that c-level uh, suite but just regardless of how large your healthcare organization is or, or whatever it may be you, you, cybersecurity should definitely be on the the top end there because it is becoming more costly it's not slowing down um i do know you know the, the thing with what hackers want is they more want you know that that personal health information and and because they can take that and do other things with it. Um, they even, you know, have cases of people, you know, hackers or a group taking information and going back and extorting people uh, because they're, if they get in your network, they steal all their personal information, if, you know, if they're able to retain all the healthcare information as well. And somebody, you know, may have a lot of private things that they don't want going out in the public. And, you know, these organizations are, they, you know, they're, they act maliciously here. They're not your friend. So, you know, they've, they've gone back and can tell people, you know, you need to pay us this else we're going to publish your info. So that can be scary for people. And then, you know, looking at, again, another big thing is how long is your, that your uh, uh, practice or whatever it may be that downtime is important because that is costly to anybody that, I mean, you can look at any business, not even healthcare, you know, specific, but if, you know, can you afford to have, you know, two to three, even possibly a month of being down, like what cost wise, what would that do to you? So all those are very important and, and they're very real and they're honestly, they're, I don't want to say the trends are necessarily getting better. Um, you know, we're going to see a, a larger increase in spend um, uh, when it comes to cybersecurity, just globally, but, you know, especially here in the U S as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. And I think you mentioned it there and I, I know Gordon and I have had this conversation too. You said somebody can get into the, get access to your network. They root around, they look for information and I think that goes very, that's very counterintuitive to what most, at least clinicians think of, and most probably lay people that aren't in this every day, 
think about when we, they think about getting hacked or having somebody in their network, like we're expecting the, you know, the, the, the Norton antivirus alarms to go off. Right. And you're telling sure. me that that's not necessarily the case, right? Are there examples of, of people gaining access to a network and then I guess stripping information out? Like what, what is the, what's yeah. the end game there when they do that and how to, how, how can they do that basically? Sure. So I, I think one thing that it goes back to the the types of like, I guess, security protocols or measures that you have in place. And even going back to that EDR and MDR. And again, that, that EDR is really solely focused on that endpoint security, whereas an MDR, like a Corvid cyber defense, you know, that includes that constant monitoring of your endpoint and network. And I think what we're seeing is... And this is what's important to, uh, to understand, uh, whether it's an MSP or an MSSP like us, you, you want to understand the technology stack of that particular company, because we are seeing a lot of um, or, or organizations and, and companies as well, software companies, they're going from that traditional or legacy, uh, most people here are familiar with like an antivirus or anti-malware to um, uh, a kind of what they call a zero trust. So with what we do here at Corvid, um, you know, the issue with the legacy or traditional uh, antivirus or anti-malware is usually those are reactive uh, security solutions. So something's already in and it's found it versus on our side, if we, you know, using a zero trust technology, that's not letting anything through your, you know, into your, into your network or through your firewall. So it's, it's stopping everything to examine it and make sure it's safe to go through. And then, um, but again, we're, you also have that human monitoring aspect, which I think is just key and important because, you know, we're seeing in real time what's happening and, and can put a very quick stop to it um, and try to remediate as quickly as possible. Yeah. yeah, Rafi, what I would add to that is an example we've used, and this has been very helpful to clients, um, and I know Chris and I have talked uh, with, with a couple of these analogies as well, and it should, it, it should bear uh, noting that we, um, we're not, you know, uh, we play different roles, what, what Chris represents and we represent, but we partner. Um, for us, the mm -hmm. MDR is available through being able to partner with someone like Chris and his company. Um, so that we can be able to provide that type of monitoring. We don't have the assets, the capability of doing that by ourselves. We're not experts in cybersecurity. But what we've chosen to do, which we think is a very wise thing, is we've been able to go ahead and partner with someone um, who is the best at you know, cybersecurity and MDR. And that in turn has allowed us to be able to provide at a very cost-effective manner to healthcare practices providers accordingly. And that's that's where the difference is. So, you know, we're, we're working together. An example I was gonna give is it's like a warehouse with all kinds of valuables inside. Your EDR is like the deadbolt on the front door. Uh, should you have it? Heck yeah. Um, does it work? Yes. But is it all you should have? Well, in today's day and age in regards to all kinds of different ways, not get not just getting through a back entrance or windows, but uh, there's a lot of stealthy ways that the enemy has done and, and demonstrated, Colonial Pipeline being you know the, one of the more recent examples that grabbed everybody's attention, but um, they're gonna keep trying and trying and trying and the ceiling and the floor and lots of different ways of being able to go ahead and get access to that warehouse. You have to have monitoring. 
there is just, you know, it's, it's like having, you know, an ADT system. You're going to have your motion detectors and other types of detection devices that go beyond a deadbolt. And so that's where MDR comes in. There really is no substitute. Um, another, you know, good point that I, you know, that we make that seems to really help is that, you know, ransomware is the most well-known type of cyber attack, but that's just the final stage of a modern cyber breach. Chris knows, knows this, you know, emphatically. It's usually preceded by credential harvesting attacks and those credentials will be sold on the dark web. We have found um, in, you know, in, in cases where the, the ransomware, when someone becomes aware, whether it's the IT service or, you know, and or the individual themselves, a healthcare practice, it, at that point, the damage has been done. Um, they are operating, once they gain access, they're going, you know, um, you know, horizontally through what they can be able to collect. And uh, I'll give you an example that that senior advisor I described you to that, you know, uh, you know, earlier that's on our team, he prosecuted a case where there were six defense contractors. All these were mid and, and you know, uh, small and mid-sized, you know, government contractors, private entities. And these were all hacked. They didn't even know that they were hacked. The way that they found out that they were hacked was through the federal defense department um, when millions of dollars, actual dollars have been stolen by the cyber hacker and countless millions of dollars of defense secrets were stolen. This was a, a Chinese backed uh, nationalist effort. And ultimately these six contractors were not made aware until you know, the federal you know, government made them aware. They were used, they were simply used and they were not aware that for months they had been used. That's reality. That is that is the world of cybersecurity and cyber hacking. Yeah. No, that's a good example, which you kind of mentioned it a little bit. So we'll circle back, touch it, and then move into kind of what are the big, the biggest threats here. So you mentioned earlier that managed IT services and cybersecurity services, the MDR and all that are are basically two different uh, sides of a coin, right? Like they're not the same thing. So how how do managed IT services interact with cybersecurity services? Should organizations look out at, at going and procuring both or are there options like what you said where you've partnered with somebody like a Corvid or some other service doing that? Kind of what, what's the, what are the options out there? How should it work in an ideal world? I guess, Gordon, you answer and Chris, you can fill in the, the spots that, that need to be filled in. Yeah, thanks. And, and there's there, there really is no substitute for IT, uh, good IT. Um, you know, we we you know a, a medical example that we give many times is, you know, the, the ever present risk. You know, of you know we're, we're able to go ahead. We're not able to go ahead and eliminate our risk for having cancer, for instance, but we can reduce those risk factors. And so, similarly, great IT teams can reduce the risk factors for a breach, but not eliminate them. Um, the good news, you know, just as regular checkups and screens can help us detect cancer before it's too late, you know, cybersecurity solutions can detect a breach in time to stop it. But that's still, you're doing the right things to ensure, you know, just like, you know, going back and forth, making sure that you're getting the screenings, you're getting, getting tested. Um, but essentially you have to have, you know, what we, 
call you know the MDR, um, so that you do have the best um, uh, you know software combined with monitoring that um, you know that is available, and ensuring that therefore if there is a breach, and we believe in many cases not a question of if but when. Um, in today's day and age, you know another example we share with folks that this is factual. Their entire city is the size of Augusta uh, in Russia, that over 50% of their GDP is based upon hacking of American businesses, and that includes healthcare. Healthcare is one of the fastest growing areas of business um, that you know is being included in those numbers. I mean, think about that. Entire cities, that, that is what their entire GDP is focused. That's fact, that's reality. Um, so therefore, you know, being able to go ahead and believe that you're not going to have attempts and that there's not going to potentially be a breach um, is wishful thinking. The question is, are you protected when there's a breach? Do you have the backup, for instance, that's what IT provides you. But at the same time, if the bad guy gets in and they start you know, maneuvering through your system, is there the alert? Do you have eyeballs on it? And do you have, you know, someone, you know, like Chris and his company uh, working in tandem with someone like us to make sure that the bad guy is isolated and kicked out? All right, Chris, anything you'd add to that? Yeah, just a few things here. And, and, and although I think Gordon explained it very well, and, and again, I think he had mentioned earlier, when you're looking at your MSP, and especially if you're looking like, let's just put it, you have Crosslink and then Corvid Cyber Defense. You know, clearly, you know, you want to make sure that there is a partnership there with everybody involved, all the parties involved, and make sure that there is that integration and collaboration, because that's really what is going to drive a very strong cybersecurity strategy. You know, especially, so we focus uh, here at CORE, we focus a lot in the, uh, the SMB space, so that small to medium-sized businesses, and do a lot in the government uh, sector as well. And what we see a lot, even with healthcare organizations, is people say, oh, I'm, I'm already good, I'm protected. And then, you know, ask a few folks, well, what are you guys doing, you know, now? And, you know, what we kind of found is they, sure, they have all these different little things they're doing and these different softwares that are running, oh, this and that. But at the end of the day, if all those are not talking to each other and integrated essentially into one kind of centralized location, if you will, they're really not that effective. Really, honestly, that kind of just opens up the door to more vulnerabilities uh, if, you, if you really think about it, because, you know, you don't have that that monitoring aspect where they're seeing everything. So, you know, and, and you know, same with things here at Corva, we're able to work with pretty much most and all MSPs out there. So I, what I would say, if a, if a healthcare uh, practice or whomever or hospital is, hey, we, we, you know, we have an MSP, but, you know, and they do, there is, that layer of security, because I'm sure most providing a layer to security, but again, like Gordon was saying, it's, it's always important to, you know, if you have a strategic partner to bring them in to help enhance what's already there um, to, to provide that expertise. But, you know, that's, that's something you'd want to, you know, definitely have that uh, collaboration involvement and just, again, integration of everything I think is really important when it comes to your overall cybersecurity security strategy. Great. Thanks for that. So we've, we've kind of talked about IT services, cybersecurity, how they interact, what they should work. So let's move on to what these services and are, are really protecting you from. So I know we've had conversations, Chris and I, and Gordon and I, 
over the last couple of weeks over kind of what the big threats are primarily in the healthcare industry, but some of this kind of is cross industry, right? Like some of the, the data harvesting that we're looking at and, and, and data attacks pertain to everybody, but primarily for healthcare, what are the biggest threats in the space and kind of like the mechanisms by which they might gain access to your network and, and all that. So uh, I guess, Gordon, do you want to tick off a few? And then Chris, you can tick off a few and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, absolutely. And it just, you know, uh, certainly like every industry, I know healthcare, you know, is, is, is not prone to this, right? Uh, but, you know, acronyms, we, we tend to, to talk <laughs> in acronyms. And um, so we've mentioned MSP a number of times and what that stands for, if anyone is wondering, is a managed services provider. So we are that, um, you know, an IT provider that provides endpoint protection is going to be your managed services provider, uh, becomes your IT department, or at least we should. Um, that's the way we should practice. And then an MSP being, being able to partner with someone like Chris and Corbett uh, gives you that cybersecurity and as we've been describing that managed detection response or MDR for short. Um, so hopefully that that helps just at least a few people out there that were writing MSP down wondering what that stood for. Um, ransomware is the most well-known type of cyber attack that's been in the news. Uh, you know, it was just in the news again for just yesterday, a, a large software company of all things down in Florida. So uh, being held for uh, ransom for tens of millions of dollars. And uh, you would think that, you know, they, if, if anybody should be saved from a, a cyber attack, uh, it should be a, a software creator, right? But everyone is unfortunately vulnerable. Um, so, but a lot of people don't realize that ransomware is really just the final stage of modern cyber breach. It's usually preceded by cred credential harvesting attack. And that can come, you know, we've all seen and, you know, probably experienced to some degree phishing. Um, uh, and, and those are tried and, you know, many times um, even the best trained employees and well-intentioned employees can fall prey. Uh, we have a brand new healthcare uh, practice that has multiple locations here in the Augusta area. And, um, you know, the... Uh, they fell prey, one of their administrator actually fell prey to a phishing attack. Um, the owner of the, um, the healthcare practice um, was emulated with a email that looked almost identical. Um, and if he didn't look close enough and, you know, what had happened was is that this, this individual um, was already, had already breached. It was already in the system. And so in watching emails going back and forth, they basically took one of the emails and built off of it. And so when they went ahead and, you know, uh, you know, uh, tackled the subject, um, it sounded legit. And so the administrator bought and boom, uh, the phishing occurred. Now something else occurred that uh, alerted this individual, but the previous IT provider did not catch it. Um, and that's where, again, you have to be able to have um, both, both elements of the IT as well as the, uh, the cybersecurity. Um, unfortunately, again, for ransomware, um, when you become aware as a healthcare practice that ransomware, you know, suddenly the alarm bell, bells go off, 
unfortunately at that point, most of the critical damage has already occurred. Yeah, so once once you've been hit with the ransomware, it's it's kind of too late. You've already lost data. You're already going to be looking at containing and damage control and all of that, right? Correct, correct. And it's a, yeah, the ransomware, as I described with a couple examples before, um, you know, Chris has seen this firsthand as well. Um, it, it could be literally days, weeks, even months that um, the bad guy has been already accessing and doing their damage, collecting the data, mm-hmm. and then using you to get to other opportuni- opportunistic. Uh, it could be that, you know, you as a healthcare practice actually weren't the target in the first place. Uh, it may be a right. supplier, it may be a provider, it may be, a, uh, you know, um, another entity that they're after and they're using you accordingly. Well, then it, maybe they didn't do too much damage within your system, but then liability, which is an evolving field, suddenly comes into play. I'll, I'll make just one other um, statement, not to scare people, but it is a statistic that we had uh, our intern here uh, come up with, um, and it's, it's, it's solid, that uh, small businesses over the past uh, three years, 60% of small businesses, including healthcare practices that have been breached, end up going out of business within two years. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a scary statistic. <laughs> yeah, again, not meant to scare, but it is a reality that um, you know, don't don't take the IT cybersecurity lightly, and we find again still too many healthcare practices are not treating it with the kind of care and scrutiny that they should. Yeah, thanks, Chris. What are some of those big threats that, yeah. that you're seeing? Sure, sure. So again, like what Gordon said, I mean, he he pretty much nailed it with the ransomware. We're we're seeing that, especially uh, in 2020. Um, I think I, I think it was around 50% of ransomware attacks were kind of healthcare data breaches. So it, it is becoming a you know a large target again because that personal information is so valuable to them. But uh, they also you know another big uh, kind of group we've seen a lot of attacks on are like pharmaceutical companies and um, research labs because you know other again this could be. <laughs> And so it's scary to sound, it could be another country that, you know, like China or Russia that are wanting to know what one of the pharma companies are up to or, you know, what, how, what are we doing with our COVID vaccine? So they're going to try, they may try to, you know, steal that information or whatever they may be. So that's, they become a large target for research and innovation and development and things like that. Um, I think, so if you look at, uh, in Raft, I believe I told you this one, the healthcare network, uh, I think it was, I believe it was University of Vermont Healthcare network they had an attack last year a rant uh what well, yeah i believe it was a full ransomware attack on them and they right now i think their costs have gotten up uh, around 63 million dollars and they're it's still not done um they had roughly 5,000 systems disrupted due to this they had to furlough uh and they had to furlough about 300 people and then of course they had to move patients out and send them to other clinics elsewhere they had to reroute you know, ambulances and things like that, because this thing just totally locked them out and shut them down and just caused all these problems that are still lingering today. Um, and, and I think some of the issues you think about, you know, especially from a small practice or even a medium sized practice, unfortunately, you know, it's just, we've seen 
a lot of these organizations tend that that and also we work with have some legacy systems and hardware and i think it's really important to make sure you are budgeting and it is on your strategy for scaling and growth that the to up, upgrade your it environment because you know there are certain softwares out there and, and and you know even hardware that they don't kick out um you know updates to and that's one big thing that you know it, that is exploited by hackers or, you know, people not patching, updating, or maintaining their current servers and, and software and things that are out there in their environment, because that just leaves, leaves holes for them. Uh, and then also, I, I did want to touch on another thing Gordon said in regards to, you know, hackers are very opportunistic um, people, if you will. They you know, they, you may never be the intended target, but they want to get into your system. And what they will do is they, they can get in there and then they just pivot from there and trying to find another way, you know, way in. Um, another example is, I think it was in 2017, there was a ca casino and I, I believe I explained this to you, Rafi, as well, but there's a, ca I think it was the American casino, if, if I have that correct. Um, out West, uh, their uh, system was hacked and the way the hacker was able to get in was through the uh, thermostat and the fish tank. So, you know, it's one of those things, you, who would have ever thought about that? Um, but the thermostat and the fish tank was connected to their network and the hackers hacked that uh, thermostat and went from there and pivoted and, and got into their network from there. So they found a hole and exploited it. And that kind of leads me to my next thing. Although it is, it, it's almost like a paradox, like this, the, the, the internet of medical, medical devices, you know, or the internet of things I'm sure people have heard about, but you know, these are improving patient outcome and, and you know, they're, it's doing a whole lot for, you know, people as a whole, but especially on a healthcare basis. And, and, you know, it's taken some of the pressure off clinicians, which is always, you know, important, some of that fatigue, but, the other issue that comes with, you know, the increase in these, uh, you know, I, Internet of Medical Devices are uh, vulnerabilities as well, because that just gives more access or more opportunity to access, you know, a hospital's network. I believe on um, the Department of Human uh, Human Services, I think they said, oh, well, I believe the market in 2020 was 70 billion of U.S. market for uh, internet medical uh, things and devices, and I, and I believe by 2025 they expect that market to be 190 billion. So you're only going to see more, you know, wearables and and implants and things like that that are, you know, pushing data back uh, to that healthcare provider. We're, we're just going to see an uptick in those, which again, it's a good thing, but it's also that comes with more responsibility because what we see with these these software companies or these these development companies is kind of they're, they don't really have uh, security in mind when they develop these things. Um, they may add a layer in there, or, uh, but it's not going to be enough at this point um, to, you know, keep out uh, hackers because that sophistication, um, especially the use of AI and things like that from the hacker's perspective, you know, that's only going to continue to get worse and it just continues to change, honestly, daily. Yeah, it's a one thing about IT is it's ever changing, right? As ev everything with technology sure. adapts and changes and we get a new technological advancement, there's another, it leaves another hole, right? In the defenses. Right. Well, uh, Gordon and Chris, thanks so much for taking the time. It looks like we don't, we don't really have any questions right now, but um, I would like to ask each of you, just if you could give the folks listening and watching 
kind of one or two big takeaways that you would want them to walk away with from, from today's conversation? We'll start with you, Chris, then we'll move on to Gordon. What would they be? Sure. I, I think a big thing is looking, if you're looking into a cybersecurity provider and an MSP, and I think, again, looking for somebody that is going to uh, be that partner, um, not just, hey, here's our software, you know, call us when you need us or we'll let you know when there's a problem, because you, you really do need to have that guidance, um, especially in the healthcare space, because there is a, you know, a, a shortage of, you know, even cybersecurity experts um, to, to be very specific. So, and most organizations don't necessarily have the funding to bring in, you know, a full team. So that's, you know, why you look at a third party like a Corvid. But I think you need to find somebody that's going to help you build that roadmap. Because even though we could come in and be like, yeah, we can secure your environment, but we just did a security assessment or did some sort of assessment. And you have, you know, these are, you have a lot of legacy hardware. You have a lot of outdated old software. You need to, you know, we need to improve the, you know, get the new stuff in, replace these, because that's going to be important to really uh, to ensure security. And then again, when, you, you know, finding somebody that, you know, is compliant, especially to HIPAA to help you uh, navigate that because it is confusing and ever changing. And then I, I, when you just uh, cybersecurity specific, finding somebody who does have that 24 seven customer support and monitoring, I, I think that's really key. I know there are a lot of companies out there that, you know, will advertise they, they have this, but um, just really make sure you understand that technology and that stack and what it exactly does 24 hour support mean like is it is it AI human or excuse me AI monitoring in the background or is it actual human monitoring because I know sometimes they'll, you know they have that AI aspect um, but there's really not that quick uh, uh, rapid response team that you need right there um, but I, I just think those are some you know key takeaways especially when evaluating your cybersecurity strategy and plan uh, moving forward. Great. Gordon, how about you? What are your big takeaways? Yeah, I think, you know, Chris, Chris has really, you know, nailed it on, uh, you know, what he was describing for the most part was uh, how a managed service provider should be um, engaging with you as a healthcare provider. Um, you know, there is no substitute for good human factor. Um, you know, uh, Chris just mentioned AI. Um, there's too many, too much reliance on it, um, you know, in relation to um, the kind of high-level security um, and, you know, uh, it, it acting as endpoint. It can be as sophisticated as you want, but the bottom line is, is that whatever silver bullet seems to have come up with um, in the past day or two, uh, the bad guys will already have figured out a way around it within the next day or two. That's just reality. And so simply trying to be able to have, um, you know, a device, a software in this case that um, is going to be able to do the job is wishful thinking. Um, you've got to be able to have someone that you can have a good relationship with as a provider, just like you would for an accounting service, just like you would have for insurance. Um, in those cases, you're not going to substitute for just getting something online. You're going to have a relationship with those people. It's got to be the same same thing for your IT service or managed service provider. And that managed service provider, if they are not bringing something forward um, 
that Chris represents uh, that we have gone ahead and partnered to be able to bring to the table, which is that you know MDR managed detection and response that puts human eyeballs into the factor along with the best technologies available. Um, you're not protecting yourself the way that you should. Okay, yeah, those are great points. Thanks for that. Um, last question before we get out of here. Um, where can people find more about you, Gordon, about Crosslink Consulting? And then Chris will bounce it over to you where people can, can connect with you and learn more about what y'all do if, if there's a, an interest. Yeah, thank you. Um, I do have um, a very you know, good presence on LinkedIn and certainly Annie and all um, come straight to my phone and um, you know, I respond very quickly. If there's any questions, anything that you know, Chris and I have been able to go ahead and, and be able to share uh, questions that are related, please don't hesitate to reach out. I know that there's a good number of folks um, on this podcast um, you know, webinar that um, are, are accessing it through LinkedIn. So that is one of two is the website. Um, and uh, we are updating our website. There's gonna, it's gonna look a, a fair bit different about two weeks, but uh, certainly you can access the website and be able to access accordingly. My email, I don't know Rafi, if you're just, you're gonna be sharing that or not, but it's, uh, it's simply grenshaw at crosslinkconsulting.net. And then uh, phone, every, every, everybody seems to know my phone number. I'll give it just, uh, <laughs> I've had it for many, many years uh, when I've been a leader here in the community uh, with a couple different uh, uh, high profile not-for-profits. Um, and then also um, in my, my executive recruiting days, but that's 706-993-6969. Awesome. Chris, where can people find out about you and Corvid? Yeah, absolutely. So again, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn as well. So please reach out in there, you know, don't, don't be afraid to connect or send a message or whatever it may be. And then of course we, we actually just upgraded our website as well. And you that is uh, www.corvid, C-O-R-V-I-D tech. And it's just T-E-C. Um, well, actually, actually go to corvidcyberdefense.com. That's right. I apologize. They switched it to corvidcyberdefense.com, all one word. And then um, you can also reach me at uh, chris.napier at Corvid Tech, and that is C-O-R-V-I-D-T-E-C.com. Or, of course, you can call me at 706-830-1763. Cool deal. Well, thank you all, too, for being here. Um, we'll link to all those you, links in the, on the website when we get the, the webinar up and running. Have a good day, folks. You too. Thanks again, Rafi. See ya. Thanks, Rafi. Well, hopefully you enjoyed that conversation and walked away with some insights into healthcare, healthcare IT, cyber defense, everything that involves keeping a practice or healthcare organization safe in these uh, times where you've got hackers and malware and all kinds of stuff. As someone that's been on the healthcare side on both sides, both as a clinician and as an administrator, owner, operator, I can tell you, I don't think clinicians truly understand the, one, the severity of a breach or something like that, but also the importance and all the little different mechanisms that goes into making sure a patient's data is secure and safe, that a clinic's data is well-maintained, and that is, you know, accessible. Um, whenever I talk to folks like Chris or uh, Gordon about 
just the intricacies of their work and being so much more than just somebody to call when the when the internet's not working or when the when the email isn't isn't going through it just makes you have a little bit more respect and appreciation for those folks and all that they do for us i thought it was very interesting just to hear some of the stories that chris and gordon shared about um, about healthcare organizations much larger than the one that I run uh, being impacted very, very negatively, like to the tunes of millions and millions of dollars because there was a breach and they're being held accountable according to HIPAA. Um, it, it's definitely not a place you want to be in as a practice owner. So hopefully if you don't have your IT, managed IT services and cyber defense squared away at your facility, um, you're, you go out and, and start making that right. And if you do, maybe it's just an opportunity to, to take stock of what you got, do a little self audit and see if there's anything out there in the way of new tools or other partners out there that you might consider for starting and, and protecting your, your organization. Anyways, that's all we've got this week on that. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes, give us a rating and review It'd mean a lot. If you want to be notified whenever we drop a new podcast, we drop episodes every other Wednesday, you can head on over to www.betteroutcomes.show and that'll route you to the the podcast page and you can sign up there to receive uh, notifications whenever a new episode goes live. You can also go see all the backlog of episodes, the episode archive, if you would. We've had some really, really great guests on over the last year and a half. And, uh, and there's tons, tons of information, tons of insights there to, to listen to and to, to pique your interest. If you run a healthcare organization and you would like to attract, acquire, engage, and retain more patients, if you want to develop a system that'll help you bring in more patients, retain them throughout their course of care, and create uniquely impactful patient experiences, then I would invite you to check out the Ultimate Patient Experience Blueprint. It's one of our core offerings here at RehabUPracticeSolutions.com. Basically, we'll walk you through our framework to help uh, position your your clinic, to build in relationship, uh, patient relationship uh, mapping, uh, build your communication and marketing strategies, and then build in a framework. We call it the, the process and value framework for your clinic to help you have those value conversations with prospective patients so that you can get them to to see the value that you as a clinician and unit organization bring to the table within the scope and the context of their health and their their personal and clinical goals if that sounds like something you'd be interested in you can head on over to www.rehabupracticesolutions.com upe that's rehabupracticesolutions.com upe for ultimate patient experience Until the next time, folks, be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www.rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.